What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain it's the summer everyone and this is a time where you're going to have your shirt off more than any other time of year and it's not too late to get in shape so what do you got to do to get in shape well for one you could start eating a little better and that means bringing in more nutritious fat into your diet a great way to do that is with mct oil we have regular mct oil that you have to blend which is awesome it's unflavored comes from coconuts not palm oil and has a nice blend including lauric acid which is great for you we have the emulsified mct oil which is also awesome a great way to add that into your diet you'll get the energy from it and it'll support that higher fat ketogenic lifestyle which is absolutely essential and ideal to promote weight loss we also have the keto box that can help get you some keto snacks and then once you take care of your diet the next thing you got to do is take care of your fitness and of course, you've heard me talk about the Onnit 6 program for a full comprehensive program, but we have a ton of content out there. If you just get a simple tool like a kettlebell and just do kettlebell swings every day, there's a concept called greasing the groove. And that basically just means doing a little bit frequently. You don't have to work out in one fell swoop and that's all you do all day is just 45 minutes of movement and the rest of the time you're just sitting around. You know, get some of this equipment, play around with it, the cumulative benefit of continuing to move will be probably greater than just solidifying everything into one workout and not moving the rest of your day. That's really how I train. You know, I don't train only one time during the day. I'm constantly moving. I'm jumping on the trampoline. I'm doing swings. I'm swimming laps. And that's how I stay in shape. And I think that's a great concept to have in mind is just continuing to move, continuing to get your body in favorable positions. Check out something like blackswanyoga.tv. It's bsy.tv. Add some yoga into your game. Add some steel mace into your game. Really try to well-round it. Make it fun. Enjoy it. You know, Combine that with a good nutritional program, and you'll start looking like my man here in the office, The Ledge, Ian Desmond. A few weeks in on a keto diet, hitting the gym pretty hard. My man's getting shredded. That could be you. That could be you. Make it be you. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. We can't give you a big discount on the fitness stuff, but you can get your discount on the MCT oils. Enjoy that. And I hope to see you looking jacked and tan for summer. Much love. Sometimes I got to just sit back and think about how lucky I am to be in the position that I'm in because I've been a huge fan of the band Glitch Mob for years. And then recently I got connected to the band and was fortunate enough to meet Justin Beretta, one of the producers and musicians in the band. And not only is he producing some of my favorite music, he's also one of the dopest human beings I've ever met. 
We dive deep into the intersection between music, psychedelics, and the human experience. I think you guys are going to love this podcast. And stay tuned at the end where you can find out where you can listen to one of Ram Dass's exclusive lectures mixed by Justin Brett himself. What's up, my man? How's it going? It's going pretty good. Good to see you. Good to see you too. So we got our 50 shades of green. Yes. The most intense green juice available here in Venice. Getting healthy. <laughs> and uh, we get a chance to fucking dive deep. I, when we met in Austin, it was cool because not only did I get to see your show, been a huge fan of the music for a long time, but figured out that we are kind of fellow travelers on the path. That's Kindred right. spirits bonded through many That's psychedelic right. experiences and other life experiences. Yeah, I'm stoked and, to uh, dive deep. Yeah, yeah, likewise. So talk to us about, you know, the music first and and what you do and how that kind of came to be and what this energy that Glitch Mob is kind of putting out that sure. makes it a little bit unique from what people might otherwise experience. Sure, that's a really good question. Um, the whole thing started very organically. Like I never sat down and thought I would like to be in a band. I mean, it was always, I always loved music. And the same thing with uh, with Ed and Josh, we never had a moment where we sat down and 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 calculated it it all just kind of happened you know we were friends um i had another job that i was working at the time when glitch mob started so there's a sense of organicness that comes with the whole with the project um and when we when we were djing individually we were more of like a dj group and um at one point we decided to connect all of our computers and just and perform together because touring around the world and traveling alone is you know it's not as fun as when you have your friends sure. there so the kinetic energy of being on stage together and performing right away uh, was something that I became addicted to. I mean, it was it was clearly something that it uh, it was more than the sum of its parts when we were just up there playing music um, on your own. But there's not a lot of ways to actually perform music as a band electronically. So the essence of it for us was really from this love and passion of performance and creation. But in the beginning, we were just. Um, having fun. It was more party music. You know, it was like mm. the very, very early stuff was hip hop remixes. Mm. And, you know, our, I think I have a mixtape, like Drink the Sea. Is that one of the mixtapes? Drink the Sea is the, there's the, uh, the first album and then their Drink the Sea mixtape had a ton of like uh, hip hop on it yeah. and stuff like that. So dope. I mean, Thank that's you. really like, as you said, you know, maybe doesn't carry some of that, the heavier motifs and the more, you know, interesting nuances of, of the new music. But yep. if you just want to fucking feel something, that's right. Feel something in your balls. That's right. You know, go find that drink the sea mixtape. Exactly. It's just like we, one of the first reviews we got was from this, uh, there's a, a radio show host, an incredible radio show host in the UK called Marianne Hobbs. And she called it a sonic bikini wax. I was like, that's great. <laughs> like I'll take it. Um, and then when we decided to start making original music and stop playing the the cut up hip hop and everything, we were all going through a super difficult time in life. It just happened that we were all going through breakups and um, there was heartbreak and there was deceit. And the, it was just a really difficult trying moment in life. We were all kind of in the middle of it. And the album that we would have created had we still um, gone down that path and used the music for to create us like a party environment uh, might have been different, but we decided yeah. to just shut out the outside world and use the music as like a journal or a diary or, or a way to process the whole thing. So thanks, pain. <laughs> yes, exactly. There it is, right? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Really, like, and, and in retrospect, um, that was what was happening was was processing pain through music and through just the vulnerability of of sitting with this stuff. So. 
Um, I mean, that is the catalyst though, right? Yeah. Like no matter what you're going through, when you're going through that shit and you're deep in it, yeah. when you can channel that into art or channel that anything. into anything, then it catalyzes it and no longer becomes a curse or something that you lament. Right. It's like, oh wow, this was actually a blessing because look it. what it created. And then you can hold that thing that, that was created, that forged, you know, that little pain diamond that you now get <laughs> yes. to put on your necklace and let it, let it shine. That's exactly it. And at the time, I wouldn't have said that to you, but now- Of course like, <laughs> not. At the time, it just fucking sucks. Yeah, at the time, it's awful. But um, yeah, many years later, looking back and realizing that, you know, that was the, the catalyst of the whole thing was the pain. And I think that um, when the album, Drink the Sea was the first record when it came out, people were confused because we had taken a left turn. The music was not emotional and didn't have much of a narrative to it. It was more dance music. So um, we shut everyone out. We didn't play the music for our managers, for any of our friends. We were like, we're just gonna do this thing and process and really put our hearts um, out there. And, and, and so it was a left turn for us and we bisected the fan base in half. So when the album came out, um, it dropped with a bit of a thud. Like it did it, it wasn't a, a a big deal on any level really and a lot of people didn't like it um because they expected jay-z remixes and stuff like that mm -hmm. but we just believed in it and we thought that taking a risk and doing doing the thing that we were really drawn to we were like that's just that's what was happening there's no other way around it and um I that's actually, a cool feeling when it's like there's no choice you know exactly. it's like this is us this is me you know and you could get lost in that trying to pander to what you think people want and then yeah. the music would have lost its substance and kind of frittered away you know the muse would have the muse would have kind of turned her back on you and not in the sexy doggy style way but <laughs> that's exactly like the out the door kind of way that's exactly it that reminds me of uh of war of art which is, is one of my favorite ones that's a, that's such yep. a good one the the muse relationship and i hadn't actually read that until recently but um that one is so good i recommend that to so many people if they're looking for the quick hit of Get your yeah. ass together, get your ass in gear, do something. And then if you want the same book, just slightly different, you can read Turning Pro, which is like his next okay. book. Okay, no, I haven't read that one. Yeah. Is it worth it? It's worth it. Okay. I mean, especially like give War of Art a minute, and yeah. then instead of reading the same book over again, you can read Turning Pro, and right. it's like a nuanced version of the same thing. He's such a good writer, too. I just so love, good. I love his command of the language and everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, with Drink the Sea, when we first played, we, we got booked to play the Sahara Tent at Coachella, which is a big deal for any electronic act. This was 2011 before EDM had really gotten big and become, become a thing. It was all sort of happening right around that time, but we decided to come out and play the whole album um, pretty much from start to finish. And and no one had heard it. Our agent, our manager was just- So that was the it. debut. That was the debut. <laughs> and we also decided to take our shoes off and we were just like, fuck it. We're going to just do this thing. We believe in it so much. And it was funny because again, in retrospect, that was a super, um, you know, it was a ballsy thing to do sure. in, that, in that moment. And we've realized since that there's an art form to bringing people along on the journey with you, right? Like there are people yeah. there that just wanted to hear these couple songs and they didn't get to hear them. So they were confused. But at that moment, that was where everything really sort of came together. And we decided to head off to go be more of a live performance group than the, you know, than the, the DJ sort of party group. Yeah. And then it's just carried on from there. I mean, I think you can follow the transformation of the music you know from the drop but i remember first connecting i don't know if it was that album but um you know songs like warrior concerto and things like that things awesome. that like would make you feel a certain type of way that other music just wasn't accessing sure really and i think that's uh that's pretty cool when you can tap Thank into you. that thing because i think 
I don't know. For me, it's purely my opinion, and I'm a big fan of electronic music and have been for a while. There's heavy electronic music, which is definitely that kind of darker mm-hmm. energy that is not dark in a bad way, but heavier, denser kind of like. And that's cool to feel. And then there's kind of like the light, lighter, synthy, airy kind of mm-hmm. euphoric kind of stuff. But there's very few things that like grab like real stuff like the hero stuff you know like the warrior stuff like the and i think you know for me your music grabs some of those like real pieces and calls those forward like calls a better part of you forward not just like indulging and reveling in the darkness or sure you know escaping to the light but it's like here let me grab this thing you know grab through your stomach and grab that piece of your spine and let's pull it forward just yank it out <laughs> yeah let's yeah. just pull it forward and see what see what comes with it and grab you by the scruff of your ears and, and do that <laughs> yeah. i love hearing you say that because that's that's something that we talk about in the studio we would never we would never say that you know the the cool thing about the musical process is that we can put all that stuff in and code it in this thing we call music and then somehow at all people get this this idea and this feeling from it and um we try to not dictate what that is you know the the album titles and everything are for the most part are are ambiguous you know there's there's definitely a sense of triumph and when we start songs we always talk about a vibe or a theme um light at the end of the tunnel something that comes out a lot so there is something about heavy music that um can be off-putting to some people and they'll ask, they'll be like, wow, you seem so, so like, I, I meditate and I talk about love and compassion and then the music is really heavy. Um, but life can be really heavy too. I think we were talking about this in, in Austin um, and it's not heavy for heavy's sake, right? It's not just pure distilled aggression, which also I, you know, I, I like aggressive music too. I love metal sure. and pure, pure aggro, but there's something in the paradox of have of holding the aggression and having a container for that and also having the love and the um the sense of overcoming darkness in the in both in one place that's that's where the magic really happens and you know that wouldn't have happened if it was one or two of us there's something about the way that we all come together and and merge all of these feelings together in one container that really is when it connects it's like the carl jung quote no tree can stretch to heaven unless its roots reach down to hell exactly you know it's that kind of feeling of holding a space down there at the bottom but also you know reaching up even higher because you've you've accessed that absolutely what are the you know it seems like all you guys have this commonality of you know experiences where you've pushed yourself through the darkness like you've gone down to your own shadow and your own hell in your own way and I don't think there would be any other way to really access that unless you're just purely channeling something that wasn't you. But sure. for most of us, we have to really feel it in order to bring that through. What have been some of those kind of significant journeys that uh, that you've been on? I mean, I think um, the music itself is is a journey in the relationship with the music and thinking about it in terms of, of a process. Because a lot of times people will ask, they'll say like, what's the inspiration behind the music? And you know, when we sit down to write an album, we never think about what the final um, that what the final outcome is going to be, you know, this last record, see without eyes, we had no idea what was going to happen when, when we sat down in the studio to write it and the way that it came out, I remember going back and thinking, wow, like depending on what was happening in life, it could have gone any number of different ways. Um, but the process of pushing ourselves is like the cocktail. We think of like pushing ourselves to try new stuff, just logistically, musically, and the combination of, of, um, owning the owning our vulnerability in the places where we are and really using the music to process it is is the the creative blender of what of where everything um 
comes from. There's a metaphor in this book by Amanda Palmer in her Art of Asking book, which I love. Mm-hmm. And she talks about the um, the creative blender. So everything that we experience in life and everything we consume goes into the blender and then comes out the other side. And artist blender settings are on different different numbers, right? So you can't you can't totally tell us specifically what had happened, but you know, there's our, our, a song will be melancholy or sad, or some will be angry. And um, we have our blender setting on sort of like a five, right? Um, <laughs> but I think that as she's talking about her husband, Neil Gaiman, who has a, a blender setting on 10, like you just can't really tell where that stuff comes from. So in a collective fashion, I think that um, so much of it comes down to love, right? It's like whether it's love in a, in a relationship sense or just what's happening in our family or, you know, one of the songs on our first record that people really loved was actually we wrote on a night that a friend of ours had passed away. So there's something about humanity and our connections with others that really is the, the essence of the whole project. Yeah. The album title for the last album, See Without Eyes, I mean, that represents to me one of the most conscious principles we can see i mean it's that it goes all the way back to jesus's ancient teachings if the eye offends you pluck out the eye what the fuck is he talking about well he means if you're not seeing the world from the higher perspective from the divine way seeing all is god seeing the divine within then the eyes are not useful for you you might as well not even have them you know so you put out you know you put out a, a whole album with that really high principle and then allow kind of the journey to to go and fill in the, the nuances but what what gave you the inspiration for the title of that um so the way that it works with the music is we it feels like um a, a stone will land and then we'll carve out the the, mm. the sculpture but the 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 nuts and bolts of it are already there so when the music was mostly finished that's when we start the process of naming everything and um it's it's the, like the uh, the music takes hold first and it does what it wants to do the naming process came about probably about 75% of the way through the process. And um, I had had a particularly intense psychedelic experience on psilocybin. It was full uh, high dose mystical experience. Mm-hmm. And I was reading this book by William Richards called uh, Sacred Knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about um, the way in which people with their eyes closed and the way, the way that he does his experiences and you know, he works at Johns Hopkins and he uses the, the psilocybin yeah. Yeah, for, for people with terminal illness. And he was talking about people having their first experiences and the, the vast worlds they could see with their eyes closed. And I thought there was something so metaphorically rich about this idea that, um, that music connected to that idea for me in the same way. And it, in that words can be, um, not as HD as music and emotion sure. and when you're in that that psychedelic space or any sort of uh, experience of oneness, whether it's with psychedelics or hiking or sex or any one of those things, we feel like we we have this experience. It's, you know, it is, you, you have that connection and there's something ineffable about it. And then coming back down, we make these things, we make art and we talk about it and we write books to to get at it. And I felt like that just encapsulated what we were trying to do and my relationship with our relationship with music. You just drop a clue that we should be hiking on psychedelics and having sex having and sex. listening to the new album. Is yes. this like the this is like the the, the Pink Floyd That's play the Wizard of Oz yes. the secret right here? Oh man. Gotta have to That's try it. that. <laughs> That's it. That's a that's a good idea. Um yeah it's it, it's really interesting how in the psychedelic experience information is translated 
and it's translated in a bunch of different ways like people i think they kind of put all of the visions on like a pedestal especially if it's ayahuasca or dmt because the visions are so rich sure but it's like what did you see and it's like the seeing part is cool but that's just because that's the best way at that point for information to be translated and splashed into your conscious mind from your unconscious or from the super conscious outside of yourself Mm -hmm. wherever that shit's coming from it gets splashed in and it's like all right how do we do this is thought going to work is words going to work is sounds going to work is vision going to work you know and it just tries to figure it out and translate it in your brain and it's like splashing against the threshold and i think music does that too because it bypasses the conscious mind and gets down to the substrate underneath and starts stirring things up yeah in a way that you can't do otherwise you can't do it otherwise yeah yeah because it's not it's not a all the words are are really symbols of something else like anytime you say a word it's already a bastardization of that feeling right i liken myself to be a poet but i know that the words are the obstacle that i have because words are ultimately only going to get to an approximation right of a feeling or an idea you know whereas music can actually be the thing okay yeah it, it is that <laughs> like, it, it, it is the thing yeah it's not an approximation that like it is just expressed in a different way right absolutely and, and especially because there's something that is so ineffable about music and about those experiences in a way that um when they when they come together it becomes more than the sum of its parts and i think it's funny that we we think we know how music works, but really, when it, when it, when it comes down to it, really don't. I mean, it's it, it's such an ancient technology, and it's something that we all intimately know. And rhythm, and sound, uh, texture, even the sound of nature, we're constantly listening to music. And you know, I, I love reading about the neuroscience of music. And you know, one of my favorite authors is Oliver Sacks, and I think that. Mm-hmm. He's poetic in his way, in his ways of trying to wrap science and neurology into understanding the way that music works. And you know, he was using it to actually, literally heal people who um, who had mental disorders that couldn't actually do anything else until they they heard a certain song. They had people with Alzheimer's, um, and I think that you know, music does actually heal, and it has the ability to some con- music. Yeah, some music. Some music is designed to break. It's true. <laughs> like, you know, like really pull things apart and yeah. let you sort it out too that's yeah that's exactly it and i think that's the that that's part of the whole process like we were talking about before is that for us it's really just letting the music do its thing and getting into a place of getting our egos out of the way and letting it all happen and i think that that's sort of the way that the psychedelic experiences and, and other spiritual experiences have lent themselves to our path and especially the creative path of just getting out of the way, because you know when you've had your ego squashed by mm-hmm. by an experience that it becomes easier to just get out of the way and Surrender. let something happen. Yeah, yeah. You instead of trying to do something, trying to be the maker of the music, you just allow yourself to be the conduit of truth that exists yeah. and has always existed, and you're just translating it through your own lens and through your own art. That's exactly. And that always yeah. feels the best, you know, rather than being like, "Look at what I did." Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and then that's ultimately the path that it starts to lose its quality because you've interjected yourself or at least the delusional aspect of yourself the not true aspect of yourself that temporary identity form of yourself which is going to create a distortion from you and the truth as you're translating it that's exactly it yeah so the key getting out of the way that and you can always feel it you know you can feel it when the music has that and the artist is there you can feel it when they're performing you know and you can feel it 
when the music is actually flowing through it's a fucking cool yeah. really cool thing would you say that psychedelics and your experiences with with plant medicine or any sorts of spiritual experiences have shaped the way that you relate to music yeah 100 <clears throat> percent. and it's it's uh you'll really hear music in a totally different way yeah you know and some music that you thought you liked you'll be like nah <laughs> like, totally. i don't like this anymore yeah. like there's this is off you know this was not done from the right soul sure and then other music you'll listen to it and you could listen to it over and over and over again and it contains like a purity it almost like wipes you clean yeah uh, to be able to perceive it in a in a different way absolutely i remember the first the the very first ayahuasca ceremony i went to and whenever when the when it started to take hold and just listening to the the shaman sing ikoros, and, yeah. and the ikoros and every, and as it was all coming on i mean that was that was a very formative experience for me just had, almost becoming the music in that moment and feeling it in a way that i've never listened to music ever the same again i even thought that regardless of everything else that can come from ayahuasca it's an incredible concert just to go to oh, just to fuck. listen for sure and the crazy thing is like rarely are the ikoros in tone or have any kind of yep. reasonable pitch or anything like that i mean it's really erratic but you feel the power of it yeah you know especially when the medicine has peeled the top of your head off and you're yeah. perceiving with more than just your ears and it's like listen without ears is kind of i guess the, the ayahuasca concert album name totally but when you you feel it and it it's fucking wild and i've i've only done it in the jungle and it's amazing to hear how even the jungle responds to the music i mean this is one of the trippiest aspects like as they're calling the intensity of the ikaros, like the bugs and cicadas and everything wow. will go. And as they drop it, everything goes into silence really? and stillness. Wow. And like one of the one of the maestros, Maestro Alberto, he has a song, an ikaro, that calls in the bats. Wow. It like calls in the bat, like fucking Batman or some shit. And he calls in the bats and then the bats start swirling wow. and, and yipping in that kind of like little sonar thing you're like what the fuck that's insane it's insane it's insane now i mean of course this could have just been you know the fluke that happened but no the 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 other guys sitting there was like oh those are alberto's bats right like what alberto's bats he actually he has a what what is a a group of bats called i don't know Uh, a A, murder of bats no that's a crow that's a (laughs) crow's crow's. um but yeah it's, it's really interesting it's just seemingly tapping into a vibration that even non human entities can pick up absolutely like other it's so true and so real and at such a frequency that it calls forward even animals that aren't yeah. that aren't human absolutely which was a wild it sounds like complete nonsense and if you know i was just i was there so <laughs> that's right. all i'm reporting on until you've experienced something like that then then that's like we're getting into the realms of the ineffable again and when you know and you've been there and that that strange things happen and it's it's funny too because i feel like my rational science mind would want to come on to an experience and double I, blind and yeah all of a sudden <laughs> different <really>, songs totally. <laughs> measuring the bat activity with fucking cameras high speed cameras and that's like it. That. yeah for sure and it's funny because it's like i feel like in in those experiences when you're having a moment where you're thinking is this really happening right now like right. and um but really you know those that that depth of connection the cool part about it is that it doesn't actually really matter whether or not it was it was real or not you know the, that's the subjective experience of that is is the magic of it right mm-hmm. you know i was reading this um this article the other day around someone was talking about well is does meditation actually work 
you know, and it, he was he, um, subjectively wanting to see if science could say that meditation was actually beneficial or not. But it's, it was funny to me because I also see a scientist coming in and wanting to quantify what science actually says about it. But I mean, clearly it helps so many people, but it's like, at where does... Where does science stop and where does the the mystery mm. and the the mystical nature of this whole thing really begin, you know? And, and I think it really, I think there's one aspect, which is the observer effect, which is, you know, replicable in quantum physics, right? Right. Like when you have a super skeptical motherfucker looking at something, they will call forward an agreement to that thing to a certain degree. Right. So I think there are, in most instances, science is going to work impeccably. But I think there are certain instances where purely that observer effect, their belief field projecting onto the thing that they're looking at will right. alter the results that come from that. And, you know, if it wasn't for the quantum physics kind of understanding of the observer effect and of the power of that belief to affect certain things, it would sound completely nonsense. But understanding right. it a little yeah, bit, it starts sense. to. And I think there is some room for that. And so I think you would have to <clears throat> basically create a system that's really understanding and, and really harnessing that. And so you would have to create scientists and measurements looking actively for the thing and then see, and then see right. if it worked. But then would that create bias? And it gets really kind of interesting and yeah. tricky when you start to review that. But I ultimately think all things can be explained, but right. sometimes the tests aren't set up right, right. And sometimes the measurement or the ways that we are able to quantify things just aren't quite there yet it's just not there yet i mean i had this this thought about my last um deep psychedelic experience was with the with the toad with the 5meo and i i felt many things but one of them was the sense of oneness and love or whatever you want to call it right god love oneness and it was so pure and so real and it felt like i had peeled back the veil of myself into the universe or what, whatever that place is these funny words that we have mm -hmm. to describe it but it felt subjectively so real and the truest thing that i have had ever touched and when i come back um and I, do i think that that love is really the substrate of the entire universe or is that just my subjective experience um i'm going to choose to believe that it is because it works yeah. for me too you know yeah, and, yeah. and if everything you can choose to say that everything's meaningless and we are just in these meat suits going around but i think that's that's sort of like why it comes back to me for ha leaning into these subjective experiences and the same thing with with music too is that that is really the way that i feel to, that that i feel like i can um explain better what i've felt through these experiences sure. and and get at something that by design is ineffable yeah i mean the only way to describe five meo experience at that level at that threshold is like oh yeah it felt like i was merged into the thigh of god <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the god itself was made of love yeah and all the things all love all light it's like well how else do you explain that like that's not going to suffice for you know uh a materialist reductionist who's really looking for yeah. exactly what happens like i don't know man yeah. <laughs> i don't know but try it yeah and then we'll talk about it and yeah then we'll exactly. see what you felt and then we'll try and figure it out but how do you measure how do you measure that well maybe there's some brainwave activity that's going on maybe we're in like hyper gamma looking at what joe dispenza is looking at in these heightened states right. like where he's measuring brainwave capacity at you know 300 hertz 400 hertz thousand hertz and at a thousand hertz the fucking angels and past lives and everything people are getting these fucking massive downloads and he's correlating it to these hyper gamma states wow a brainwave activity which is really interesting and That's i'd like so cool. laud him for the work that he's doing there um 
Yeah, but it's but it's interesting, and I think that's an example of somebody who's taking a test and recognizing that all right, your brainwave state is going to correlate to mystical experiences at a certain level. So right. let's hook people up to an EEG and then figure out what their brainwave is as they're going into these mystical states, and then try to map that out. Right. That reminds me of this part, and um, I'm almost done with the new, the Michael Pollan book, and he's talking about how the brains of meditators, when they get an fMRI, is similar to people that are having mystical psychedelic experiences, and also children, and people who are listening to music, too, is there's something when the self goes offline, and we have these these experiences of being present and in the moment, and it's, it's funny to me that um, we can get there in so many different ways, and I think it reminds me of your your earlier question as far as like what what's what's the essence of of what we do um, and with music to me that's that's my way of of um, walking up the path towards towards whatever that mm. that point on the hill actually is and the psychedelic um, experience has been so important for me to get to a place where I even have an understanding of what that is you know and I think that I was meditating for a while and I was doing TM and mm-hmm. um, that was like the uh, the framework for the whole thing. And mindfulness meditation was very, um, very methodical and it was very framework based. But I think I w- I'm someone that needed to have that psychedelic experience. Certainly everyone doesn't, but you can meditate in a cave for a year and, and, and get there or people, some people can get there with just, um, without even having to go f- to go to a cave and have them in, in sure. meditation retreats. Some, usually you need some modality though. It's yeah. rare that you can get there spontaneously because the world's not set up for that. Yeah. You know, the world's set up to keep you in beta state, you know, keep you looking around, checking your social media, worrying about your social status and how you look and supporting the ego in every way and pandering right. to all your fears in every aspect. Yeah. So some modality, whether it's meditation or dance or music or nature or something, is really fucking essential but for the the thick-headed people like me and you yes. <laughs> getting hit over the head you need to have the, it. <laughs> yeah getting knocked in the head with the psychedelic is pretty essential yeah and you needed to have that at the extra bonk and it was funny when you talk about the ego like that i mean coming back from um the the mystical experience on <clears throat> on the 5meo i saw my ego as my ego came back online i was so grateful just to be that, that I was perceiving anything, that there was anything at all, that I was even grateful for my ego. I'm like, oh, it wants to get me food and stuff. And yeah, it wants yeah, to yeah. do things like, oh. It has differentiation. Yes, 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 there is duality. I was so thankful for all these things. And I felt gratitude pulsing through my body. And I mean, just because the experience is really, it's really quite intense. Um, it wasn't dark for me, but it felt like being strapped to the nose of a rocket ship and yeah. going to the other side and coming back. But um, for me, seeing my ego with that sense of, of compassion and love, because I think also on the path, it's easy to come around and want to um, look down on your ego and think that, well, I'm so mm-hmm. spiritual, I don't even need this anymore, but actually- um, Says the ego. <laughs> right, there it is. <laughs> That's exactly it, right? Yeah, it's the container that holds love separate from- capital L love, the universal love of God. And then 5-MEO just takes the container away and dumps your water back into the ocean. <laughs> yes. You're like, I'm back in the fucking ocean and I have no differentiation, which is probably the most amazing feeling you could ever feel. But it's not nearly as fun as having your own little you know, love and That's your right. own ability to experience the nuances, like stretching out the all all feeling and all emotion and splashing in polarity so you can explore all those different little areas and touch different heights and be a hero and be challenged and do all the things like we got it the best that's right and and you can get that feeling like 
why does the universe exist? Well, if God or the all or source or whatever was undifferentiated, it would just be that feeling all the time. And it feels amazing. Right, it's great. But when I was asked, and I was asked by my shaman, I was asked, do you want to go again? And it was literally the best feeling I've ever felt. And I was like, no, (laughs) no, I don't. For sure, no. Absolutely not. And, And that's, so you get this understanding of like, well, why would God you know create the universe why well because it's fucking better it's more interesting right you know to be fractured into a billion different trillions of different pieces and experiencing all the different struggles and triumphs and success and love and all the all the shit it's just more awesome yeah right that's so funny you said that i had the exact same experience right afterwards she was like would you like another (laughs) like no (laughs) i'm good i'm still unpacking that you know that's one of those experiences that i think that i mean i maybe i'll do it again at some point in time but i it was five months ago now and i I still think about it every day on some level have you have you tried multiple times i did uh so i did like a smaller dose subsequently and it was it's not the same thing right like i think there's it was a lot reminded me more of like an nmdmt or a you know a, a segment of an ayahuasca experience or something like that but i think there's something to that full threshold dose that yeah. really is unique you know it's yeah. almost like you have to go all the way there to fully release and that's where the full magic of the five meo is and i haven't done a full session like that right and i yeah i've <laughs> I felt like there was no choice for me either. That's the other thing is I have had a couple other experiences of the full ego dissolution on high dose psilocybin, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's definitely a bit trickier to get there. Um, I think that there is something about having to wade through the waters and the, the trenches to to then get there because it doesn't always have to go. But with the five meo, like it's fucking happening. <laughs> you had no choice, man. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's it, and that's. I guess that's not necessarily true because that's one of those experiences where there's, depending on which guide or shaman you talk to, there's 25 to 35% of people who will resist it pretty violently, you know, and they'll be thrashing around and turning and right. they'll be hard. To, if you watch Hamilton Morris's mm-hmm. documentary I where they're that. in a fucking flowing that river bank crazy. with rocks, like, what is that guy doing? So crazy. Anyways, this dude's flopping around in the rocks, like hitting yeah. his head on boulders, like half drowning himself. And he's like, this is the best experience ever. I'm like, wow. Wow. That was in, that was insane. But that happens indoors or it happens everywhere where people will not be willing to let go or release yeah. to that level and they'll fight it. And I, I've heard stories of people getting aggressive even, like make right. it stop, you know, kind right. of. It's a, so I guess there is a way that you can try to like drop anchor and just no, you know, right. and drag your, drag your way into it. But it's kind of futile because right. it's it's really so powerful i it's mean it so is a fun. rocket ship like you can't steer a rocket right rocket's exactly. just it's going just, up it's just taking off and it's just happening yeah it's certainly not for everyone either i think that, no um, <laughs> definitely not <laughs> you know the 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 person that um that guided the experience was saying that this is the crown jewel of the whole of the psychedelic world and for me having done um most everything else this was this was the one thing that i hadn't tried and i thought there are moments where you know with people in my family and loved ones that have not had this experience, not 5-MEO, but just a spiritual experience by in general, but certainly through psychedelics, I, w- I would want them to have that at some point in time. And this is not, this does not go in that category though. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, something totally sure. separate. Um, Cause this almost like fries the motherboard to a yes. certain degree. Like how do you, you can't go straight to this one. Totally. I mean, I guess you could, if you're exactly the right type of person and it's exactly the right time and you're just ready to shed everything you know. But 
let's creep up on this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> the, the, the motherboard is fried. It's gone. There is no motherboard. You be, the motherboard is in shreds. <laughs> we have now become it. Yeah. And uh, but um, in the combination for me of of that experience plus the um, I had done a couple of vipassana retreats, and I think that the fear around and that's a ten day silent retreat. Ten day silent retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fear around going to a meditation retreat or, or having a psychedelic experience, I think is like what, I'm afraid of me, I'm afraid of what's gonna mm. happen. And, I, and I, I, I felt the same thing. I mean, going to my first Vipassana retreat, I thought I was scared. I'm like, well, what am I scared of? Really, I was just scared of what was gonna come out of myself. And we spend so much time numbing and running. And uh, especially now with, with our phones, we're constantly kept busy and we don't really sink into it as much. I mean, certainly in some cultures they do, but right you know, right here and right now. The distraction uh, of perpetual action. I love that, that's it. Yeah. And, and it doesn't allow you to actually sink deeper. So I think that the Vipassana retreat for me was a, as an ability to, um, it, it, it gave me a framework to really go and do that stuff. And then um, once I realized, I'm like, wait, there's, there's some stuff there there's clearly we have we all have our things but um there's nothing to really be scared of then doing the um the psychedelic work changed for me because earlier on in life when i didn't have a framework for it i mean mm. I, sometimes it would be great and sometimes it would be awful and i right. think it's important to talk about that stuff too like i've had incredible psychedelic experiences with friends or out at you know at, at a festival or something like this and i've had some pretty terrifying no <laughs> experiences so as well because right they're they're just a destabilizer so i think that I it had is to sleep on the floor for four days really on the floor oh my gosh after an encounter with like all of the darkness of the universe and a recognition and a reconciliation that all the darkness of the universe was in me as it is in everybody wow and feeling that come through i couldn't even sleep on a bed because it felt like I was unstable, like I needed the grounding wow. of the earth itself. Like that's not for everybody. That's not for everybody. <laughs> no. no, that's definitely no. not for everybody. I thought I was done with psychedelics after that too. Really? I was like, I'm done. What was like, that? that was, uh, it. was that from? It was not even a heavy dose of psilocybin. Wow, just the right, and the right combination the, it was of the stuff. Right, it was the intention set by me and my and the shaman that was guiding me, and um, it was just he you know we we decided our, the intention was to bring consciousness at large into the physical body and i don't think we really knew what we were bargaining with there sure. at that point because consciousness isn't just the light it's all it's the darkness all, it's everything, it's everything it's container, you know? yeah um so taking that in the body and then realizing that every bit of evil that's ever been done every bit of darkness and death and all of that was equally inside me as all the light wow. <laughs> because I'm in polarity and I'm being a polarity and was really, really intense. And of course, you can shift your identity to the identity of you know, love. And ultimately that's the only way out. Because if you go into fear, I, I really feel like if I would indulge fear that day and that night, because I saw that path, I think I would have gone insane. Right. You know, like and you it was, can see the doorway <laughs> there. For sure, for sure. And I just had to use love to find my way out. Any garden variety love, love of a pet, love of a person, something. love of something, just find wow. love. To so find love was your breadcrumb back, back totally. to what, a, what, an, what an incredible lesson. Exactly. And so that's one of those things that at the time, holy shit, but now, you know, recalibrated so many things. Right. And it's, yeah, I think to your point, it's certainly not for everyone. And I think that is, it's worth saying in that in the, all the discussions that are happening right now and, you know, the Michael Pollan book is, there's so much that's bubbling up and it feels like in the next couple of years is gonna be an even bigger renaissance is that I don't think that they're for everyone and I don't think that it's necessarily a cure to everything, but I'm really excited to have our own culture 
create norms and create ceremonies and rituals yeah. around it because you know I was I started taking psychedelics in a, at a young age in high school and messing around and you know I had a, a couple really intense experiences. I mean, being a 13-year-old kid, I I ate an eighth of mushrooms because no one told me how much I was supposed to eat, you know, which is how many three, grams is an eighth? I think I think it's like 3.5 grams. So, yeah. it was a lot. Um I was still Ryan nods. <laughs> Ryan nods from experience. And when you're not ready for that, I mean, yeah. luckily it was okay and I I certainly could have done something stupid. And and I it, luckily I was in a park and I grew up in in Santa Barbara where there yeah. was nature so I was with friends but I nature mean, is the best shaman exactly that's that's yeah. it and, and the sun is even a, is even a better shaman you know like, I agree that's like all the you know you go to a shaman in the an ayahuascaro and they're always blowing their smoke yeah the sun is just doing that all the time all, day all the time for you all day long just blowing out any of that fear and any of that stuff that's, that. that's there so if you ever want a way more chill psychedelic experience like when i did my full heroic six gram psilocybin dose it was in the daylight with wow. the sun shining and it was you know so beautiful because that's that's a gnarly full ego dissolution dose but six grams the sun holding space as a shaman and just myself evaporating into the light of the sun it just kept it on such a positive wow on such a positive vibe did you have uh eye shades on or were you, were you no, just in the sun i was in the sun and you did you go go elsewhere for a bit and yeah i mean we would go into the shade and rest and yeah. you know there would be some times where i would you know pull something over my sure. eyes and, and chill and um but ultimately having the sun there and the birds chirping and the hawks swirling and the little gophers popping yeah. up out of the ground and it was that was you know again did all the work for right. this for the ceremony well that's that's super fascinating because i think there's something around psychedelic culture maybe it has to do with the way that i came into it through music and through clubs and through festivals and burning man and stuff like that it's a very nighttime thing and i would never have thought to actually done that during the daytime i mean i've i've, I've done it on hikes mm -hmm. um, i had some beautiful aesthetic experiences with mushrooms and nature well if you want to go into the fucking shadows take right. the sun out that's of the right. picture you know like then you'll go deep then that's why they do ayahuasca ceremonies at night because right. the purpose of that is to help you confront your fears so you know going into those dark places at the dark time you know where you're peaking at fucking midnight you know well that makes sense right but if you don't want to do that and confront your demons and just explore things in a more chill way i highly recommend the sun during the daytime i'll have to give that a shot next time i yeah. want to I have a death practice. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to your Vipassana meditation because it's something that's really been interesting to me. I thought that I would, I thought that I was kind of doing that because I've been on dieta before. Okay. Where it's just like a meditation where I kind of isolate myself from people mm -hmm. and just focus. For me, it was the plant rose. So I was focusing and meditating with the plant rose and I was staying isolated and not talking to people and was just being chill. But I was writing, uh, I was writing like the whole time. Mm -hmm. I was like working. And so I, when I th I thought like, oh no, I've done that before. I've isolated myself and been with myself, but not fucking really because I was working like 14 hours right. a day and creating. Right. And then I realized just recently when I was in Miami that I was, I've never been in a place by myself where I wasn't doing. Like I was always just doing, I wasn't ever be just being. Just being. And I was like freaked out at just being and i was trying to like okay now i'm just gonna be and then in my mind would start thinking well you could write this blog post or you could work on this instagram right. it's like stop man right and it just wants it wants to keep it doing and it's, it's and it almost to needed that. to right to validate my own sense of worth right and i realized that there was this thing like i have to be mm -hmm. doing to be worthy of my own love 
and I just unpacked this whole thing. Like I'm fucking, I've been on this path how long? And I didn't realize that I've never stopped doing because that's what makes me feel like I'm worthy of love is what I'm putting out in the world. And I'm obsessed with doing constantly. Sure. Like, fuck. That's a huge one. That's a huge one. Yeah. And so I spent like a couple days being, and it was, it was really cool. I felt kind of the laughter and the joy that I know is my essential being that I've tasted and felt like on that, you know, heroic mushroom dose. I felt that start to come come back and just mm-hmm. be okay with no it's okay just to be and actually the most important thing you can do is to be because when you are then everything flows out of you now and everything makes sense exactly yeah and then yeah on vipassana i mean one of the most fascinating things about it is you're not allowed to look at anyone in the eyes you can't speak and you're not you're not allowed to journal or write or do anything so um you have and the one that i went to they run pretty pretty um similarly you also have a job and the the funny thing is your ego wants to have all of the creature comforts around it right and i went in the first day and i got breakfast detail which was six in the morning right after breakfast you get up at 4 30 every day and then meditate and then have have a, a breakfast and i was washing the uh the oatmeal dishes and i was like fuck I, why, I, why couldn't i get the meditation bell ringer this guy gets to ring the bell at yeah. noon or someone has to go and change the water in the fountain and here i am washing oatmeal dishes and i was so upset for for whatever reason i mean that's that's part of the whole thing sure. though, right and um it's kind of like a classic I wonder if meditation. there's someone giggling who's running it like we're <laughs> totally. giving him oatmeal dishes <laughs> yes, this totally. guy needs oatmeal yeah, dishes totally they have the oatmeal card for me for sure <laughs> i got it and um but the funny thing was yeah for the first couple of days um all of the triggers start to come up and there's something about even just interacting with people is another doing so when you're completely cut off and you can't um, you can't output anything, you can't journal, you can't talk or can't process, you're left with all of this. So it can be quite intense with the, um, you do walking meditations on and off all day and then sitting meditations. So you're, you're having um, Dharma lessons. We'll, we'll focus on one thing for the day. It'll be like meta loving kindness. And then you will go and walk on a 20 foot line back and forth for an hour and then come back sitting meditation pretty much all day long. And um, the first couple of days are really tough and but the funny thing was that by the fourth or fifth day um i went from hating the oatmeal to all of a sudden it started to look so beautiful and i was looking at just the the way the suds and the the foam were starting to interact on there and it was it was it was beautiful and by the end i was lo- loving every moment of it and i loved the the scrubbing i loved um the walking meditations which at first i was irritated about so pretty much the 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 vipassana retreat reframed the the way that i experience everything really right walking into the whole thing i remember putting my phone away for i okay, have, have 10 days with no phone and and um by the end when i looked at my phone it was so overwhelming about how much information <laughs> was flying at me i couldn't believe it um but watching the final sunset there something that i thought i had walked by every day just being like oh there's another sunset there's another sunset it was it felt like an absolute miracle and there's something sticky about the meditation retreat too i mean you know having done dieta is that if you do the work yourself um without um are you are you drinking um medicine when you're on dieta or well i opened it with medicine and closed it with medicine but since rose was non-psychoactive you know i just had essential oil and i would just smell it so no medicine during the process okay but you didn't i didn't really need it right i mean i was in closed-eyed visuals i mean i was as soon as i would close my eyes i'm in the astral wow like immediately and confronted by fucking entities like giant tarantulas and snakes and i got to know them and giant fucking bears and eagles and like 
it was this whole fucking crazy wow. thing. I was just so open the right. whole time. Yeah, when you're so open, when you cut off all of your senses and we're so overstimulated, I mean, it sounds like a cliche to say that, but when you really go and do these retreats, you realize how little you actually need to, to um, feel at home in the moment. And I remember watching watching that final sunset. I mean, I, I cried because I thought that I watch a sunset every single day and I don't actually just take a moment to appreciate the miracle of something. As, as again, as cliche as it sounds, um, when you've when you've been focusing on so many other things in life and haven't been appreciating the small stuff. And I think that that can be such a profound thing, right? I mean, that's also part of the psychedelic experience and where they line up is it's the really simple things. It doesn't have to be novel. It doesn't have to be something that is so crazy. It's just, wow, like putting my feet in the grass or, the, or, or love or mm. a hug or listening to music or all of these things can be so profoundly impactful that... The, the trick at, after the Vipassana was taking that into life and integrating the whole thing and, and seeing how I guess how it could be sticky and incorporated into my daily lens. It's, it's funny. It's, it's almost like there's a weird defense mechanism that we have. And I was experienced that today. Um, I go into like bouts of melancholy, you could call them like the mild depressions or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's always when I'm grappling with some issue and I typically figure out what that is. And then I rebound out and I'm, rebounding out from a little one here recently and i was walking today uh down abbot kenny and just something of the moment you know just the people and the sun and the shops and nothing in particular just filled me with so much joy mm. that it was like you know again that tears well up in the eyes like fuck this is fucking amazing you know and then there's this this kind of defense mechanism that comes in and says like stop it right don't feel that good. Don't get attached. Right. You know, like something bad's going to happen. Right. Stop your bliss. You can't feel that joy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And we think that we're protecting ourselves by doing that. Right. You know, it's this old latent basilisk program that's right. stuck in the software that tries to come in when you start to feel that good and just put it away, you right. know, like, or, and especially, you know, myself in an open relationship, like, you got to be really careful of that thing because the challenges of that relationship and the fears that come up and the insecurities like you'll block the pleasure you'll block the pleasure of being with your love you know because it's like ah, oh, it's not safe like right. don't enjoy it you know life isn't safe don't enjoy it right and then but when you really get to peel it away it is that fucking good right and just no. allowing yourself to feel that joy i mean i imagine that all of these things are practices and it's funny thinking about the meditation retreat just just being there and washing these oatmeal dishes like that's the practice itself but when you take that into into life i mean um coming back into los angeles after that whole experience was so so crazy for me i mean i see why people go and, and do them um i have some friends that will travel to india or thailand and do them and it sounds funny to say that but um you know that we we adapt to so much and with so much input and so much happens um on a day-to-day -day basis that um really just coming back to the simple experience of feeling joy was one of the most profound experiences of my of my adult life sure. and it wasn't actually that moment and feeling it without the aid of the psychedelics and feeling into that that pure joy was um something that i that i think about um almost on a daily basis and you know it can it can impact everything you do even when the um the the fun police come in and they, and they want to tell you that <laughs> oh, this is going to enjoy. suck later so don't enjoy it now yeah um then you can you know you can still keep that with you yeah i mean what a that's i guess that's got to be the thing that you know when we transition and cross to the other side and i felt this like 
that's the thing you look back and you're like fucking dummy like look at all that sex you had that you didn't really enjoy that's like right. look at all that food you had that you didn't really love and because you'll feel the difference like there'll be some meal i remember on dieta i ate usually eat pretty clean but one day i was like screw it they had this like hamburger grass yes <laughs> yeah. it was this grass-fed cheeseburger with really? blue cheese I like, I and like that. that's awesome and then the blue cheese was grown on the island like we're oh kind of from God. a farm on the island like across i'm in vancouver island like the cheese is from this island and the cow is from this island and the fucking bun is from here and whatever and it's and I, I bit into it and I just started weeping, crying. Like just crying like this burger is wasca. so burger wasca. <laughs> this is so good. And, oh and then that, that'll happen to me occasionally with food. And then there'll be other meals will just be just like a fucking five star meal. Totally. Bullshit. I don't care. You know, like I'm stuck in my own I have my health. phone out and yeah, I'm here doing this exactly. thing and I'm posting about it. Yeah, yeah. That's I think about that all the time in terms of death, right? That's such a that's something that I think being in the psychedelic world, you have uh, you not you don't have to, but at least for me, I've come in contact with something that feels like it, and it's taken away um, a bit of the sting around the idea of death. Where I mean, right now, I don't feel afraid to die. I mean, certainly, mm -hmm. if that was if that was faced to me in this, if I, if I was facing it in this particular moment, maybe I would change my tune. But there's something about having felt that subjectively that that changes the frame on life. Um, there's this there's this post on the Wait But Why blog. I think it's called I, f I forgot the name of it, but he basically makes a chart of every day in life of of how much you have in 80 years. So there's just this grid of these dots, and then if you think of when you're you know I'm, I'm 37, and when you have this many dots left, you can look at the actual days you have left in life, or probably I mean how many hamburgers will I have mm -hmm. in life? Maybe I don't know, maybe a couple hundred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Got to really enjoy all of those ones, and I think that um there's something about that that book also the sacred knowledge book where he's talking about using psychedelics to bring people in contact with death so that they can then appreciate the last moments of life that um that's super, that's very profoundly impacted me the idea of no it no doubt man death is such an ally when looked at that way yeah. you know because then you can look from the perspective knowing what death actually is which is just the removal of our physical you know expression in this dimension but the retainment of our essential self but right. the removal of this and then you realize like man i fucking gotta enjoy this thing right like i really because that's what i'm gonna miss and you know I, i'm a big fan of paul selig and his work and he he has what he calls the guides that channel through him and i would have never believed in such a thing I before i haven't read paul selig that's fucking unreal I'll it's check it out. truly unreal and anyway, i did a podcast with him and you know as the guides were speaking through and they just speak impeccably and the truth that rings through is you know regardless of what you might think of the the mechanism of the of the channeling which i have i'm quite dubious about but sure the impeccability and the truth of the message itself and the guides who are you know disembodied no longer taken form used to have form don't take form anymore mm -hmm. i asked them basically what they missed and they you know unequivocally it was physical love it was the feel of rain on their skin and the taste of food and the embrace of someone in the flesh and it's physical love right that they'll really miss we have access to a lot of the other stuff right but that's part of the magic of being here it's like we got real stuff here right we got real stuff <laughs> yeah. we got juices flowing we got right. real things absolutely and, and we gotta fucking take advantage we gotta take advantage and and really that's that's for me is the essence of what um what music is and what music does and mm -hmm. um that is our sort of guiding light through through the whole process and i think um you know in terms of of 
I also think that I don't, I don't need to exalt the idea of it too much. I, for me, that's what it is. And I also, I think um, a lot of people make music and don't even know that that's what they're doing. I think an earlier version of myself wouldn't have been able to, to articulate or explain it in the same way. But there's something about just the essence of being alive and the way that it all comes together through the lens of music. I mean, Oliver Sacks called music primal social cement. Like I really believe that it it links us all together. And when I think about joy, the first thing that I think of, I think, I think of music. That's, mm. that's for me, um, you know, we, we just finished this really long tour. We had a two month long tour. We had two weeks in Europe and it, sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's super hard. And sometimes there's, there's sleep deprivation and trucks break down and all these things happening. But every time we step on stage, you know, people, um, people are wondering like, you know, what is, what is really going through your head? We, we get asked that a lot when you're up on stage playing and, and really I'm just listening to the music. You yeah. know, it's easy uh, to- Nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just yeah. the sound. And in that way, I mean, I think that um, for me, it's 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 something that um, I people ask, do you get sick of hearing the same songs over and over and over again? And that, the answer is no, actually. I mean, maybe if I was sitting there listening to the same song over and over and over again on my Sonos or something, perhaps, but there's something about performing and playing. It. Well, it's a mutual feedback loop, exactly. right? Like you're up there on stage and you have those electronic drums and your fucking drumsticks and you guys are getting it and it's pushing out that sound and then... I'm in the front row there. It's it's where were we at? Emos. Yeah, emos. And I'm pushing out as much from myself, just dancing and moving and eyes open and closed and just feeling my body come alive. And that we can fucking sense that, you right. know. And you got four thousand people. I feel the people. I feel you guys creating the music. I feel the sound, and you become merged with something. It's even yes. greater. And that's fucking powerful it's magic man. and it's funny too because really part of the especially with this last album is realizing that it's actually not even about us like we're we we're the ones who are sitting down there in the studio making these they're making the songs and playing them on stage but really the reason why people all come together is because it is bigger than all of us and i feel like we're part of a of a a lineage or like I think of music like a train that is traveling and it's ever since the first person ever banged two rocks together <laughs> and 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 now we're here um tracing it down and feeling like you know our ego wants to be able to take ownership over this particular uh, song or this art form and and you know I, a metaphor we used to describe it is like you know maybe we are driving this particular ship right now but the ship is made up of all the people and all the experiences that are that are coming through the music and it's not really about the people that are um you know at the helm it just reminded me of you know one of the most powerful scenes for me i think it was the third matrix where they have that like the machines are fucking burrowing down into their into their hideout and they just throw a rave basically and they just bust out all the drums and it's just all the awakened people you know, at the probably some of their last hours potentially, you know, and they just fucking decide to dance and sweat and play music together. And, and, you know, you guys capture some of that vibe and I'd be fucking rad if if that could be like recreated. We should do a matrix party where we get in like a cavern somewhere. Apocalypse party. If if the apocalypse is coming, I would be happy to, to, uh, all right, you're the the dude. We're we're going, it's, it's fucking glitch mob concert. If the apocalypse is coming, let's do it. Hopefully not though. Hopefully life is good. But if it is coming, if that meteor is coming, you got to throw a concert. It's on. It's on. (laughs) Beautiful, man. Well, as we said, hopefully not. We'll continue enjoying physical love a little while longer. But if we have to go, 
That's the way I want to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's on. <laughs> My man, anything uh, you want to point people to? Obviously, all the incredible music that you guys have available. What else? Um, you can check us out at theglitchmob.com. And, um, go see a show, everybody. They're fucking incredible. Like, please, go, go see a show. It's, it's mind-bending. We'll be on tour uh, in the fall. And yeah, just check out some tour dates. Come out to a show. We will not be coming back to Austin, unfortunately, but um, you guys are going a bunch through Europe, right? Yeah, there's there's a, a ton of shows in Europe, and um, I have a new project coming out at the end of the month. Actually, I don't know when this podcast is going to be coming out, but um, I'm doing an ambient piece a collaboration with Ramdas. That's a meditation that I think your podcast listeners will probably enjoy. Oh so yeah, it's like um, it's part of this whole conversation. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Let us know. People will be stoked. Thank you, brother. That was epic. Thank you, Appreciate that. Thanks, fam. Peace. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. For those of you who haven't been to AubreyMarcus.com yet, my blog, we're posting a lot of new content on there. We have book reviews. We have recipes. Please poke around and explore. We're really putting a lot of energy into that. And also, if you're interested in hearing Justin Beretta's remix of Ram Dass's lecture and meditation, check out aubreymarcus.com slash ramdas that's r-a-m-d-a-s-s and we'll get you the links and get you access to download or listen to that if you so choose so much love fam you guys are the best keep doing what you're doing keep living life keep owning the day we love you we'll see you next week